What's up, guys? This is Coach Dombrowski coming live to you with Rock Talk Training Podcast, Episode 2. This episode is brought to you by Sports Heads. Sports Heads is a new brand providing high-quality, affordable, and stylish sports apparel and accessories for athletes to stay fresh. From hoodies to chains, they provide large selections of products for athletes. From a point guard to a lineman, you can stay stylish and fresh on and off the field or court. With that being said, guys, I, I'd love to fill you in on a giveaway that I'm doing as well. All you have to do is go over to my Instagram, uh, drop a follow, share the page. Let's run those numbers up and try to get to 150 followers because that is when the giveaway raffle will begin. Um, the first raffle, raffle will be capped at 150 followers. So uh, what that means is once we hit that number of 150, every follower that is in that 150 will be included in the raffle which is a randomized giveaway and the product that we're doing this time is a brand new ncaa wilson basketball um, we will have both sizes in men's and women's um, youth sizes as well um, catering to whoever the winner is on that in addition to that every 150 additional followers will be another raffle so round two will um, conclude at the 300 follower count and with that we will be giving away a kobe bryant mamba mentality book that he released um, so make sure you are going over to that social site the link will be in the description for you to follow as well as the sports heads account so make sure you drop a follow on both of those and and with that we're going to start with episode two episode two's guest is none other than one of my best friends my brother from serbia luka and jusic he um, came over to the states and where i met him was at Cal U as my junior year. He became one of my teammates and one of my closest friends. He has a, an extremely unique and long journey having played for so many different uh, basketball teams and clubs throughout his years. So we're going to get into this right away and we're going to talk a lot about his journey. Let's do it. Luca, what's up, brother? Hey, what's good, man? <laughs> Not much. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just chilling. You know, yeah. trying to trying to stay safe. You know. I hear you, man. There's there's not much else we can do right now. Yeah, especially here in Serbia, we have a uh, every day after six p.m. we have this called police hour. Really? So you're not allowed to go anywhere out of your house until five in the morning. Oh wow! And, so it's like and, yeah, it's like a curfew pretty much over there, huh? Oh, it's not pretty much. It's actually a curfew because if you get busted on the streets, you actually get fined for it. So really, so they have um like police officers walking the street and everything. Yeah, all over the city, actually all over the country. Oh wow! Basically, so full lockdown from six p.m. to five. In the morning are there any like businesses that are that are staying over open right now or is it kind of just only I mean, like essential yeah. stuff pretty much everything was closed until a few days back like all the restaurants are still closed shopping malls and everything yeah they're about to reopen soon but some of the businesses were working all the way but they just have a shorter work time you know they work from morning to like 3 4 p.m. and that's it and then after that they close and then they they close and after 6 p.m. and that's it actually the only thing it's working right now it's food delivery yeah from six from six to 12 so if people need something to eat or whatever is that how you guys are, are able to like stay you know fed and all that stuff yeah I mean actually the stores are full so we're not like going crazy about it we mm -hmm. usually buy stuff, you know, when we allow, when we're allowed to walk around and all that, we buy stuff and then we just, you know, stay at home, buy oh, for wow. a couple of days, you know, because it's a lot of people, you know, in the stores right now because you can't go out at night and everybody's trying to be, you know, well equipped for curfew time. Yeah. So you mentioned... I think it was a couple of weeks ago. You guys are staying over in the in the countryside for now, or is that you still? Oh, uh, actually, I mean, by the weekends, yeah. My fiance is working still; like her her office is still working, so she has to be in the city. 
Yeah. As soon as we got like a two or three days off on the weekend, we go to the countryside because we actually have, you know, a backyard and, uh, you know, a little more nature that we can go in the circle of our, of, of our house, you know, because as long as you don't go on the streets, you're safe. Yeah. If you have your, if you have your yeah. own yard or stuff, you can stay outside. Which in a city we can because we live in an apartment and we're basically stuck between the walls. Yeah, I feel you. So, like, how how you guys thing. how you guys staying active because, over there? Uh, it's a good thing though because Serbia is one of the countries that are not as badly affected by this virus. Yeah, and I feel like the precautions that the country took took care of it, you know. And then we're slowly coming out of this crisis they're they're starting to reopen stuff and everything yeah man i mean that's and good that, that's a good thing though yeah you guys caught it pretty much before it you know pretty much like sure. blew up over here it's uh, city by city it's just getting crazy like new york is just a, a mess like, yeah just... i read all about it i read all about it it's i mean it's panic time but Hopefully it will be over soon, you know, and we can get back to our life, you know. Yeah, I mean, I know for over here they're starting to. I think May first is the day they're starting to reopen um, some businesses slowly, and um, I seen like a couple of states are reopening like parks and um, like certain yeah, rec centers yeah. and stuff like that. But everything's gonna have like a limitation, um, shorter yeah, hours. Yeah, sure. It's like same. It's 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 same as here. It's same as here. We start Monday with reopening everything and then you're going to have certain amount of people that you can fit in the one place and mm -hmm. you're going to have to wear masks, gloves, and you're going to have to clean out every five minutes basically. So yeah, I feel, I feel that, but I mean, it is what it is. You know, you just got to respect the precaution measurements just for your own safety, you know? Exactly. Very safe and sorry. I know like over here, I, I went to Walmart the other day and, um, they have like a, a guy counting the numbers like before you go into the store of how many people could come in. And I was probably waiting outside for like 20, 30 minutes just to get in. Like every two people that came out, two more people are allowed to go back in that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. You know, trying to stay active. You asked me, you know, just honestly, I use this time to rest and uh, you know, I took it as a vacation kind of, mm -hmm. I did a little work just to stay a little bit in shape. So, when I get back to working now, I'm ready for it. But mm -hmm. uh, as soon as my season ended, you know, I, I took a little rest, used it as my vacation. And from now on, when the gyms open back, I mean, I'm just going to start working and getting ready for the next season. I feel you, man. So, sometimes you, you need that little vacation, especially like playing professionally. Your schedule is probably like insane with practices and, and games and always traveling. Um, can you talk a little bit about um you know how your schedule is like with being a professional over there it's uh it's i mean in my league we don't have we got we play only once a week but mm -hmm. during the week we practice a lot it's a different system here than than in the states or nba europe is a little different because some leagues do play every couple of days depending on what the championships they play you know some powerhouses they have their own leagues in the country along with the EuroLeague games, and then they play, you know, two or three games a week, stuff like that. But my league, we only had a, a one game a week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's 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 still one game a week, but it's still hard because we the, the workouts and practices here are really hard, you know, and you got to stay in shape for each one of your game. And during the week, we really work seriously, like twice a day, every day. And then oh. once, the game is, once the game comes up, you got, you know, you, you, you got to be ready for that. Yeah. And it's, it's not that hard, but it's still not easy. You mm -hmm. know, you gotta, you gotta keep up with, with everything and, you know, just stay ready for, for every game. So like if you were to compare it to, you know, say when we were playing at Cal U, how we had that two or three hour window every day from like to practice only and then watch, Feel like you know how our practices went. It was like oh, we would yeah. watch film for an hour, an hour and a half, and then go out and you know practice for two hours, and then the treatment and all that stuff gets handled after. Um, how would you like kind of compare it to that? I would say it's way different. First of all, because 
uh, down here we we have no limitations you know like you can practice as many hours as you want during the day and sometimes those practices go like two to three hours mm. each practice twice a day you know and then you 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 put in your treatments you put in your take care of your body you know recovery time and all that stuff like you're basically five to six hours a day in the in the on the court or in the gym only you know and while in college you have you know only one hour hour and a half on a court and then all the time you need for recovery and everything else so it's way different i feel like college is more working preseason, you know and uh, getting ready for the season because when the games comes you don't have you don't have you don't have that much time for practice because we play two to three times a week and then you only do scouting reports and you know work a little bit on stuff that you're gonna do in a game mm-hmm. but here uh, when we play once a week you know first three days usually of the week are really hard going at it you know and you know staying in shape a, a lot of running and everything putting putting weights on and then Thursday Friday you ease up a little bit you know do the scouting reports get ready for the next opponent and then play the game so it's yeah. it's way different it's way different and you know it takes some time to adjust back because I was here then I was going back to the, then I was going to the state then I came back but you know you you, you get used to it you know? yeah that, that's really interesting um I do want to talk about you know you coming over and and going back like what what was one of the toughest like transitions for you coming from like Euro style basketball and then coming over to the NCAA and and then back to Euro style like how how did you approach that type of transition? I mean, for me, it wasn't honestly it wasn't that hard because I already played certain level of competition before I came to the states, you know so. I knew how everything works and uh, I knew the way we practice here, the way we do it here. The biggest, I mean, it was harder for me to adjust when I came to the States first time because that was new for me, you know, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how to, you know, especially the beginning, I didn't know how to act in certain situations, you know, had to learn how to take care of my body differently along with the schedule that we had and all that. But when I came back to playing pro, it, I mean, it took me some time, definitely, you know, because it was a different schedule. But I got used to it pretty quick because, like I told you, that wasn't new to me. I knew how everything was working down here. And, I mean, in my family, I had my brother that, you know, with him and his experience, he's been professional for 11 years. So I pretty much knew how everything is going. So it wasn't that hard. But, you know, every time you change the environment, it takes some time. But... Mm-hmm. If you're focused enough, you can handle it all. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it probably took me a whole, uh, my whole freshman year to really adjust from even going from high school to college, like the next level, even though it was like in the same country and the style of play wasn't, you know, that different. It was just like a whole different level of like physicality. Yeah, college, college, is, college is very specific. You got a lot of crazy talent, mm. but, you know, and uh, I mean, it's more of a, you know, there's systems in college. Like, I want to explain this to you this way. There are systems in college, but every time at the end, what what really makes the difference is the guys who are individually better than another, you know. Mm-hmm. While in Europe, it's fully systematic game. You got, you know, system for defense. You got system for offense you know every single thing about other team, you know, and you have to stick to the team game, you know, and you have to stick to the team plan. And everything is based around, you know, the the, the preparations you made before the game and how you're going to execute a game, you know, and it really, it really is more of a team related, you know. Yeah. I know like college speaking and like recruiting wise, like it, I'm not sure if you're familiar with West Liberty College, but um, the, or yeah, West yeah. Liberty University, they're like one of the best Division two teams in the country. They like their style of play is run and gun three pointers. Like they live and die by a three pointer. And I know like some guys yeah. that might get recruited out of high school that are really good shooters, but not as athletic, might not like necessarily fit into a lot of the other programs or like different conferences that just favor like physicality and like 
bully ball style of basketball. So it, it definitely is like a systematic style of play in the NCAA. Every every type of college has their you know their unique play style that they favor towards recruiting those type of guys. Like like I said, like shooters. For sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, I feel like the basketball is the game that, uh, especially lately, you don't find the guys that are like individually the best. But mm-hmm. you got you find the guys that that will fit in your team, you know. And that's yeah. in Europe. That's that's what it's all about, you know. Like, you maybe your stats are not showing as some other guys' stats, but if the coach of the team that wants you thinks that you can fit in his team, he doesn't care, you know. He just wants you in his team, and like you do your role, and you're fine, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like when you when you first came over, um. What what was the first like taste of USA basketball? Where where did you start off coming over to the states? Oh, I had a I had a really you know specific journey. You know, first I went to prep school in Orlando, where it was it was it was different. You know, uh, prep school is tough because you have a lot of guys that are trying to prove something that are you know, working towards showing everybody that they're worthy of playing college ball and, you know, everybody's fighting for their own spot. And, and it was a little different, but I think I, I fit pretty well. Uh, luckily, I had a great group of guys and my team, I went to West Oaks Academy with a great coach who was a great, had a great connections with colleges and all of our guys that were in a, I mean, in the, in the, in the let's say, varsity team. Half of the guys made it to the Division One basketball, and it was pretty good, you know. Along with me, I started at the University of South Alabama down in Mobile. Mm-hmm. And um, the goal was, I mean, the plan was I redshirted. I, trans- I mean, I started there in January. I redshirted uh, half of the year mm-hmm. for a semester. So the goal was to get me ready for my freshman year, you know, practice with a team and, you know, teaching about learning about learning about the way they play the way they work you know getting my way in school and all that stuff so I can be ready for my freshman year I spent there my freshman year really it wasn't the right fit you know mm-hmm. I feel like some things were different than I expected to be even I was told some stuff that did not happen you know and I really I really wasn't someone who who's going to, you know, wait until I'm junior or senior to play. Yeah. Because I feel like, I feel like that's the bad for players, just sitting out for the next, you know, one or two years and then just play your third or fourth year. I feel like in that period of time, you're losing yourself. Yeah, true. Because you can only get better if you play, you know. I mean, practice is all. I mean, you have to you have to practice and all that. You have to work on your game and everything. But if you don't play, you cannot get better, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, and especially in the NCAA, it's like that's eligibility going out the window too, and like all that exactly, wasted exactly. growth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I basically, I basically, I basically didn't want to waste my time. You know, mm-hmm. and the freshman year, I wasn't playing as much as I thought I would. So. I mean, I sat down with coach and all that stuff. We decided that it's best for me to transfer. And then, as the rules are, if I transfer back to D1, I would have to sit on another year. and didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking up for D2 schools, you know, because at that point, I wasn't really looking at the level of, you know, Division One or Division Two. I was just looking to for a place that I would actually get playing time right away, you know, my sophomore year. Yeah, and you know I can produce right away, and that's when uh, Coach Bill Brown, the greatest coach of, might be the, you know the the biggest legend of Cali basketball. Yeah, called me and you know offered me. I mean, you was there, you know, before me. Mm-hmm. He offered me a spot in a in a lineup right away. He needed a shooting guard. He told me that I'm gonna get playing time right away, and he likes my game. He spoke highly of me. Talked to the guys around Division One basketball. And, you know, at that point when he told me that, I felt, you know, certain confidence in him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grabbed that opportunity as soon as it showed. And I transferred to Cal my sophomore year. And that was probably the best decision I made 
you know, in my life because not only for basketball reasons, because, you know, I played right away, had a good three seasons over there and, you know, but also for meeting so many great people and off the basketball, on the, ba on the basketball court, you know, made some great memories. And I mean, I really, really enjoyed all of my three years over there. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I, I do want to touch on um, you being redshirted. Do you, do you think there's a lot of benefits of you taking that redshirt as soon as you got on campus there at uh, South Alabama? I mean, it's a good thing for, for players who are not ready to play right away, you know? Mm -hmm. Let's say that way, who are not maybe physically ready or, you know, need to learn more about, you know, that next level basketball. But yeah. the reason why I and, – and, and I, I took it – I took the rest of it only because it was one semester and I was told that, you know, I was expecting to play right away from my freshman year, you know, and that's why I was, like, focused on getting myself better for in – in that four-month period for mm -hmm. the next year so I can produce right away, you know, even though I was the youngest on the team. Yeah, I know. But it like, didn't go well. You know, it could, it, could, it, could be, it could be biased, you know. Some people are against it. Some people are for it. But, you know, in my case, I, I think that I had great experience coming to the States only because I played for national teams and I had a great, you know, resume before coming to the States. And I thought I was ready right away. It just didn't work out. And obviously, that's why I transferred after yeah. my freshman year. I know, like... You, you, you said a lot of people kind of don't like that label of like being redshirted. I, I do think that's like an issue with college basketball. All these kids will hear redshirt and immediately want to like jump ship or like go to a different school in, in other words. But like, I think it's, it's beneficial for 90% of the kids that come into NCAA because, you know, you come from high school, it, it go to the NCAA, it's a completely different ball game. And, you know, for sure, from... for sure. The one thing, the one thing that helped me with the redshirt season or redshirt semester is that I actually had a chance to learn about the school and how the college system is working and all that stuff. Because I actually, I mean, it wasn't the. I spoke English when I came. I mean, mm -hmm. I knew how to talk to people. I knew my way around, but it wasn't as good, you know. To be, to be, you know, doing everything in school, I had, I needed some time to actually learn, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the core of English and all that stuff. So I think that being a rusher helped me because I was focusing only on working out and school. I wasn't worried about the games. I wasn't worrying about, you know, if we're going to win or lose next game. Of course I was, but I mean, I was cheering for my team, but, you know, I wasn't getting ready as the other guys are, you know, and that helped me, you know, find my way around in that couple of month period. So, so it could be easier for me once I start playing games, you know, because when you play games, you got a lot of travel and all the stuff, you're not, you're skipping classes and everything. And, mm -hmm. you know, you got to do it all like most of the stuff on the fly. So, yeah. you know, that helped me a lot because I found my way around school. So once when I started playing my freshman, you know, it was way easier for me, you know, to get around. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, from my experience, I, although I, I didn't redshirt, um, it was almost like I did because I only played, uh, I think it was less than like 10 or 15 minutes my freshman year. I, I was lucky to have a, a minute a game, and that was only if, you know, we were up by 30 or 40 or down by 30 or 40. So, like, I, I kind of took that mentally as a redshirt, and I, I knew I wasn't ready, you know, nearly – ready to step on the court and actually like have a role and compete with the division two, like the PSAC level. I was six, six coming out of high school. I was like 185 soaking wet and coach wanted to me, wanted me to be like a, a big man, like a four or five. And I knew if I want, even wanted to see the four, I would have had to get up to at least like 220. So uh, all I did my freshman exactly. year was, you know, it wasn't the healthiest option, but I kind of just pigged out up at the, you know, the, the school buffet in the lunchroom and, and try to get up as heavy as I can as quickly as possible, just so I wasn't getting bodied around in practice. And uh, on top of that, I just used that freshman year to observe and learn from the bench and like try to figure out how it could be effective, True. you know, at, at the role yeah. I was in. Um, 
But yeah, man, all that sounds great. I, so. I, 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 get, I get that, though, you know. It's, it's different for every for everybody, you know. I mean, sometimes you, you feel like it. you – Yeah, you need you need that, you know, especially when you're younger, you got to learn, you got to observe, like you said. And, I mean, you can't force something, you know. Something like putting, putting up a weight on your body and all this stuff, that takes time, you know. And sometimes you're not ready right away. You got to take some time to, you know, actually work on yourself. Yeah, I mean – a lot of people have told me that, you know, my freshman year was kind of wasted, but like I've never once thought of it that way, even though I'd barely played, like that was probably the year where I learned the most. And I went from playing less than 10 minutes a game, less than on average, less than two minutes a game to getting my first start my sophomore year against nationally ranked IUP at their place. And it was my first win as a starter as well. So like, it's not like exactly. just because you sit out or redshirt your freshman year that your sophomore year is going to be a waste too. Like I, I completely flipped the script from not playing to playing half the game on average my sophomore year. Exactly. That's the right mindset. You know, you got to stay, you got to mentally stay ready, you know, because once the opportunity shows for you to play, you got to, you got to take it. Yeah, for sure, man. A lot of people need really need to, realize that and look at the positive side of not playing and like trying to figure out what they can do to stay effective or what they could work on for the next opportunity for when it does come instead of just like moaning and complaining or you know just jumping ship and going somewhere else but like I I do want to talk about um, you know playing at all these different levels what was there anything that kind of like surprised you as far as like the style of play coming over to the states oh it's just it's uh you know like i told you before it's uh, more of a you just have a lot of talent you know and uh the one thing that really surprised me is uh uh because i had a chance to play on both levels division one and division two the one thing that really surprised me was the that division two top teams let's say and Division ball, Division One basketball. There is not much of a difference in talent, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are mistaken by, you know, oh, I don't want to go T two. That's 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 you know, that's crap because it's not the same level as D one. I want to be Division One basketball player, whatever, blah blah blah, you know. But once you actually play Division Two, you see that there is not much of a difference. It's just difference that. The Division One schools are bigger. They're financially way more worth it, and you know stuff like that. And they have, you know, just a better marketing. Maybe they, you know, they have more money overall. And it's just, it seems that it's a, all this, you know, how to say, it, you know. I feel I know. They, they, everything. Everything, like... everything is so. Everything is so pumped up that people don't actually take a good look at division two players that are really great. You know, I had a chance like, like you to play in the PSAC conference that had a lot of D one transfers and team like IUP or, you know, Cal in the best days. I'm definitely sure that they could compete in some of the division one conferences. With yeah. I mean, I remember, that's the thing that really was, surprised me though. I think it was my sophomore year. I'm not much. I think you came over my junior and, and senior year, but my sophomore year, we had an exhibition game against Robert Morris, and it was the year after they beat that Kentucky team that was, like, really, really good. And um, we came down to the last possession against them as a Division two team going up to Robert Morris at their place. It, it, I think it was within the last 30 seconds of the game. We missed a shot, and they made a shot. That was a game, and it wasn't, like, they, although being D1, it wasn't like they were in any way really better than us. Like, they might have been. Exactly, little... exactly. That's my point. I mean, it's it's crazy how the, how the people have this prejudice about Division Two basketball. Like, it's some, you know, but that's that's just nonsense to me because once you actually play, once you're actually around the, uh, the, the Division Two basketball, you can see that there's a lot of talent too. And then some people and some players are, you know, could actually have a big role in some of the division one schools you know yeah i i've definitely noticed like at the division two level i've played against um or with some like extremely extremely skilled guys like 
even even you right. and my old roommate Jake, he was one of the, like the most fundamentally skilled point guards I ever played with, and like we would go and play VCU for those years, or, or even Purdue in my upperclassmen years, and like those guys weren't necessarily that. I mean, they were skilled, but they weren't extremely skilled. They were more like highly skilled with a mix of being athletically superior to everybody else on the court. Like, I don't, I don't and know also if, being in a rice and also being in a rice system. Like we talked about it before. It's not about how good you are maybe, but like it's, if you fit on the, you know, the team, if you fit in the system that your coach wants you to play. You know? Yeah. And like also touching on how you said about the, the financial side of it, they have more like money to invest into their players. Like I, I know exactly. At Cal U, we we had a weightlifting tro- program um, with Bobby, our trainer, but like we didn't necessarily have, you know, the nutrition program where they tracked our meals or like put us on diet plans to lean out or, or build muscle and stuff. It was kind of just okay, go to the weight room three, four times a week and then practice. It wasn't necessarily like they were tracking everything we were eating and drinking and doing exercises specific exactly. for each player's body type and, and stuff like that. Whereas D1, you you have like a whole program dedicated around you. Like exactly. Like individual. my experience, my, my experience in D1 was exactly like that. We had a, every player had a testing before you had a certain goals before the season, during the season, you know, preseason, after season workouts and all that stuff. And you had to reach those goals in order to, you know, be in consideration to play. I mean, there, there was, there was a, how much you need weight, how much you need to lift, you know, mm-hmm. how fast you got to run and all this stuff. And then they take care of, like you said, about your nutrition. They give you certain proteins. They give you, you know, all the, you know, supplements you need for recovery and all that stuff. And, I mean, obviously, if you have all that around you and each player has its own, you know, program. And when you follow that, obviously, you're going to be better. You're going to produce more, you know, and that's that's the part. While as in D2, like we at Cal, we didn't have all that stuff. Maybe if we did, we, we would even reach, you know, bigger level and, you know, all that. But, I mean, it's just like I told you, it's just financially they're just more powerful than. Right. And that's why like, people get it mistaken. But that's not certain, you know, that's not something that really – that's the actually the only thing that separates Division two players from Division one players, you know those little small things that they're yeah. you know, making a difference and from like touching on what i said earlier about how i had to gain so much weight just to see the floor like if i had a nutrition plan and it's set in place by the score or the the trainers or whoever it may be like i if i would have gained all that weight in a healthy way and like where i was able to build my athleticism along with it i probably could have been a, a lot more effective but I was pretty much told, like, all right, if you want to see the floor, you're going to have to gain weight. And then after that, that and was that's like it. pretty much it. It was, like, it. It was on me yeah, to right. go and smash a bunch of food up at the cafeteria and, and try and put up as much bad weight on as possible. And that's exactly what I did. But, like, right. if I would have known the, the nutritional, like, the education behind the nutrition now that, like, if I had this education now that I did back when I was a freshman, I, I probably would have been a lot more effective so i I think it's really important for guys coming into d2 to read up on it and try to be as you know knowledgeable about nutrition as possible because that does play a a big role in you know your career whether it comes down to injuries or longevity and and, and things like that 100 100 percent. so i i do want to ask you about um playing professionally in europe um what what are some of like the biggest challenges um, you face physically is there like a lot of players over there as like D how we just talked on G1 that are athletically superior or is it more focused around like the skill part of it oh it's it's all of it you know people people don't know but Euro basketball is actually very physical mm-hmm. and you know the, the the way the way it's played because you have all the systems and stuff you know mm-hmm. and the rules are a little different also than let's say the college and NBA. Let's let's compare it to the NBA because you know I'm playing I'm I want to compare to professionality, you know, professional basketball. You know, 
as you could have heard, maybe even Luka Doncic once said it, it's easier to score in NBA because Europe is just physical and the rules are different because, uh, I mean, you don't have the defensive three seconds and people are able to stack in the paint and all that stuff. And you're allowed to get beaten up more than, you know, in an NBA and all that. And it's not as easy to score, especially. And the, 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 the quarters are shorter. We play four, four times a 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just different level in a way because you gotta focus on your in your physical part, but also you gotta be you gotta be skilled. You know, people are, people around here are big on fundamentals. You know, mm-hmm. as especially like around Serbia, as a young age, we work a lot of our fundamentals like footwork. You know, being in the right place at the right time, reading the game and all that stuff. While in the States, you're more based on, you know, actually working on your moves, working on, you know, doing drills to get you better ball handling and stuff like that. That's the mm-hmm. one thing that I noticed. But, you know, you, you got you to gotta have it all, man. Professional back, basketball is really, really tough, man. And if you don't, you know, you don't work your, you work yourself in all the areas, it's, it's really hard to adjust. So, like, I know college basketball, it's, it's kind of like, you're on the team, you're, you're at least, you're, you're safe for the year, at least. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if they bring you on, you're, you're most likely not going to be replaced. Uh, and if you are, um, it wouldn't happen until the end of the year. Is there, like, um, you know, a sense of urgency when it comes to people playing bad where they think, like, oh, I could get cut after this game or I could be replaced before the next game? Oh, Is it, like, dog-eat-dog like I don't that? Know if it's, I, I don't know if it's a – after one game but like one thing about professional basketball nobody gives a damn about you you know in mm-hmm. a sense of you always got to be ready you always got to produce because as soon as you're not producing you can get you know get, get can you can you know have you can be in trouble first mm-hmm. of all i mean i mean when you sign a contract of course you have guaranteed some time let's say this year i had a one-year contract that I was guaranteed financially that I will get all the money, you know. But one thing that if you don't produce, if you don't play well, if you're not ready for the uh, opportunity when it comes, I mean, you can get left out of the rotation. You can sit a couple of games maybe, you know, on a bench, you know, not get as much playing time. And then your stats go down, your producing goes down, and then it's a lot harder to sign another good contract the year after if you, mm-hmm. if you follow me, you know, because yeah. – Couple of game, couple of games can cost you the entire season, and then one season can cost you a good contract in the following years. You know, and that's one huge thing. Like nobody gives a damn about you, you man. You gotta, you gotta stay ready. You always gotta, you know, produce the right way. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I know, like my old coach Roth, he was there before um, you showed up or you came in. He would always kind of his way of threatening not threatening but like warning the players that weren't necessarily doing their job um the way he would break it down is that they're constantly out on the road recruiting guys in our position um and like adding on top of that they're recruiting the best possible player in your position so it's like exactly. if, you're not, if you're not producing like regardless if you are or not they're still trying to get the best possible player in your position for the next year because obviously the school wants to be as best as they could so like you're not necessarily secure that that starting role or whatever role you played in the previous year for the following year exactly i mean here's i mean it's kind of the same because i mean you can get cut after a season depending that's why let's say that's why players here are looking to you know have a couple of great years and then signing a long-term deal Mm -hmm. that could guarantee them a couple of years you know with uh, safe payments you know because once you sign a guaranteed deal you're going to be paid whatever you signed for but I mean you never know you know because like you said there is so many great players and so many people that can easily replace you you know and take your spot so that's why you always got to be next level next level and you always got to stay hungry you know because one couple of games can cost you a lot of money, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it. It's not college. It, it's your career choice. Like it's your job exactly. now. So it's it's put up or shut up in a sense. 
um, that's a, that's your main source of income. That's that's gonna be exactly. Really and when you play when you play basketball, you can only play for a certain amount of time. Maybe let's say 10, 15 years, you know, professionally, and that's it. I mean, what you do in those 10 to 15 years, that's it. I mean, you you don't have you 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 can't get your time back, or you can't you know get some more time, and that's why you know you always gotta stay ready, man. It's tough too because it's not like um, you're building your other experience um for the work like the career world outside of basketball so it's almost i feel like in a sense once you're done with that 10 15 years and it's time to That's get a, a real type of job you don't really have work experience like that to uh, immediately hop into a high-paying job exactly i mean that's why that's one thing that i mean i'm starting to learn more about and you know i'm trying to work on myself mentally you know and get ready for what's after you know, mm-hmm. the one important thing for the basketball players, actually, like professional athletes, is that, you know, during the years that you play, you also got to think and, you know, work on yourself and see in what ways you can, you know, produce after basketball, after the season, after your career is over and what you can do. I mean, that's why, I mean, lately, a lot of people are talking about it and, you know, how, how can you use your money that you earn playing basketball to, you know, have something after you're done, you know? So just because of the situations, like you said, because once you're done with basketball, what then, you know, what you're going to do. And that's why in those years that you play, you got to work on yourself in some other area so you can be ready, you know, to, to do, to do something after you're done with playing. Yeah, that's a really great perspective you got there. Um, so we're, we're getting close to the time. I do want to ask you about two or three more questions here. Um, what, what what would, like, if you were to have a piece of advice that you can give to your younger self, what what would you say to him? Oh, that, I mean, just follow your dreams, man. I mean, I honestly, the way my career and my life so far played out, I mean, I honestly wouldn't change anything mm-hmm. because as a young kid, once I started playing, I followed my dreams. As a young kid, I knew I wanted to go to college and get a college degree from the United States, experience all that college life and everything. Mm-hmm. I did that too, you know, because I did follow my dreams and I, you know, I worked towards them. And then, you know, you, you, you got to do it. You got to believe in yourself. Always, always, and then that's the that's just the only way that you can succeed. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times people lose track of whatever their their original dream or goal was because they don't see the end result quick enough, um, and so that exactly. kind of like sways their outlook on it or like makes them rethink whether or not it's truly worth it because they're not getting the end result as quick as they want to do it. But like in your case, you you've been in the states playing since you know high school and now you're back and you're, and you're playing pro and it, it's paid off you've been many different levels like you experienced so many different types of play and I think a lot of other people if they would have went through what you did they would kind of get swayed away from it just because of experiencing so many different types of situations it's so easy it's so it's so easy to get swayed away because you got so many obstacles on the way mm-hmm. and it's maybe sounds cliche but it really is I mean you're never going to be uh, living the perfect life. You know, you always going to have stuff to overcome. You know, example for me was, uh, you know, when I was 16 or 17, I actually tore my ACL at a very young age when I was just, you know, playing basically high school basketball in Serbia. And I mean, I could give up, you know, I can say, okay, that's it. I'm just going to focus on school and I don't care. You know, it's, it's a seven month, eight month recovery, maybe even two year, but I didn't actually, because like I told you before, I, I dreamed about some things that I didn't want to give up on them. You know, mm-hmm. you got to set your goals and then work towards them because if I didn't overcome all those stuff during the years, and if I didn't chase my goal, I, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. I'm, I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in a good place. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that is very like inspiring and, but I know personally people that have torn ACLs or, or had injuries did that exactly. Like they gave up and told themselves it wasn't worth it or whatever, like swayed away from their dream of, you know, playing professionally or whatever. But here you are 
10 years later and, and you're playing professionally in your home city. And that's like, I, I don't think there's any better journey to, you know, describe exactly. sticking to your genes, exactly. sticking to your dreams like that. But, um, like growing up, who, who was like your biggest factor of motivation? Like your, it could have been like your brother. Did you have a favorite local pro player or NBA player that you kind of taught after? Oh, I mean, that was definitely my brother. I mean, he's three years older than me. He's actually the reason why I started playing. Mm -hmm. You know, he started first and then a couple of years after I was going to play some sports. You know, I was a kid and my parents wanted to get me to sports, you know, stay off the streets and, you know, stay healthy and all this stuff, stay active. And then I chose basketball because of him and, you know, and I'm lucky that it's only three years difference. So basically all the things that he experienced throughout his career, throughout his life, I experienced with him and I kind of got the chance to learn on his examples and see what could be done, what, what is good, what is not, you know, mm -hmm. and he has a, he has a lot of impact on me both on and off the court and really like a role model. And yeah. like I told you, I'm, I'm lucky to have him in, 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 in some ways he cleared a path for me, you know, made yeah, stuff he easier paved for the me. way for you. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, he's really successful. He, I mean, he's playing on a yearly level right now. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I, I had, a, I, I was lucky to have that in my house growing up. So, I had someone really close to talk to me when I had problems to, to lead me the right way, you know? Yeah. And he had definitely the biggest impact on me. I mean, when it comes to some, I mean, I did have my idols, you know, growing up, I don't know if you remember, uh, Peja Stojakovic played for the Yes, Kings. yes, I remember. He's one of the, in my opinion, maybe the most successful Serbian player that came out of Serbia. You know, he actually won a ring one time too. Mm -hmm. I think he's actually the only Serbian native player who has a NBA ring. He was my idol back then. Lately, I mean, college, throughout the college, high school, I looked up. I mean, not I wouldn't say idol, but the player I like to watch is definitely Clay Thompson. Mm -hmm. He's like the, you know, to me, he's like the perfect shooting guard position player. Yeah, uh, I mean, there, there's definitely similarities between the way you guys play. Um, exactly. I feel like not only because he shot, but I feel like the most important thing for a shooting guard is to move off the ball, you know, yes. and he's probably along with Steph Curry, the best guy right now to do it. And that's why he gets his shot so easily because he's always in the right place at the right time. But that's about it. I mean, obviously my brother though, I mean, I did have my idols, like I told you some of the guys, but my brother is definitely the, you know, my real role model both on mm. and off the court that's awesome it's beneficial having you know somebody that's been in like the the shoes that you want to fill like so close to you um i touched on my last episode how a lot of like high school and college players or aspiring college players they take advice from the wrong people or like people that haven't been at that level and they let that kind of exactly like, decide not decide for them but influence them on their college decisions like a lot of these kids just want to go. I, would, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that all comes, you know, from the, you know, environment you come from. I mean, me and my brother both. I mean, he was my role model, but we also had a great parents that, you know, kind of, you know, always pushed us to, you know, get better and, and, and made us do the things the right way and taught us how all the work that you put in, it's going to pay off one day. And it really is, you know, mm -hmm. here we are, you know, 20 years later, I mean, my brother is really successful basketball player and he got his own family living, living the good life, you know, me as well. So, I mean, you, 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 like you said, you, you gotta start from young age and learn who to talk to, how to talk to, you know, and. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's good to take that advice from um, loved ones or even people close to you that may have not been in that, position I know speaking from my own experience um I mean I've had cousins that have played college before me that gave me some insights but even taking advice from like teachers in my high school or, or you know people's parents that just knew me that have never played sports in their life trying to sway my decisions um it wasn't exactly the best type of advice so you know having somebody like you said your brother and 
having that success in your family already is definitely a big step ahead than a lot of the other people. So um, I do think um, your brother does play a part in your success just from motivating you and giving you all the tools you need to, you know, pursue that career. But then it all comes out to yourself and what you do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, he can help me just, he can just, he can help me just so much, but then, on the other hand, if I'm not doing my part, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, that all exactly. doesn't make any sense. And it, 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 it really, you know, pretty, it pretty much he's given you, you know, like the guidelines to the test, as I mentioned before, and it, it's up to you to put the work in and get to that, that, that level. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you, you know, coming on and talking about your journey with me. I feel like we could definitely have another episode down the line. We have got a lot more stuff to talk about and pick your brain about. But for now, um, I just want to say thank you again. I, I hope everything's going well for you out there. I hope the family's staying safe. Um, and I really, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak about your journey with me. Of course, man. I mean, say, I mean, like, uh, like you said, I mean, hopefully you guys are doing okay. Say, say, you know, send kisses to the old Dombrowski family. You know, <laughs> I love you guys a lot. You know, I'm, I miss my people. I know, and, man. It's been so I mean, long. Hopefully, 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 I mean, we'll get in touch again. And uh, uh, good luck with this podcast. I know you're going to do great things. Just, you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. And, All right. Honestly, I mean, I, I'm planning on some trips to the States in the upcoming years. So we'll see. Maybe we, we, we'll, you know, get in touch once I get there. Yes, for sure, man. We'll, we'll stay in touch. And, you know, as, as that time gets closer, maybe we could, you know, link up or, or plan a trip or something in the near future. Sounds good, man. Good luck with everything and talk to you soon, bro. All right, man. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. All right, guys, that pretty much wraps up episode two. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys can gain a lot of information and knowledge from uh, from Luca's journey and, and where he came from and, and some of the things that he had to uh, experience to get where he is today. Um, Luca is an extremely talented player with a lot of knowledge, so I hope you guys really, really take that in and, and pass it along. Um, with that being said, make sure you like and subscribe to all my socials and my podcast. We're on Spotify and a couple other platforms. Uh, we'll be coming to Apple uh, Music as well in the next coming weeks to get that up for you guys because I know that might be a little easier to access um, for the time being. But in the meantime, make sure you drop a like and subscribe. Like I said, make sure you get into the 150 follower raffle so we can give away that Wilson basketball for you guys and as well as the the uh, the sports heads basketball chain that we're going to include. And uh, with that being said, we'll see you for episode three coming at you soon. Thanks.